Welcome Matrix members. Today on the show, we have something special in store for you. We're going to be speaking to Coach Eric Dagati. Many people have the desire to get in shape, but often lack the tools necessary to make strides towards their goals. If you're someone like me who wants to get back in shape, but has no clue where to start, this episode is dedicated to you. If anyone can give us a point in the right direction, it's Coach Eric Dagati. With 20 plus years of experience in diverse coaching, Eric is going to teach us how we can consciously choose a program that supports our fitness goals. Each year, Coach Eric travels around the world teaching and speaking to teachers and trainers and therapists as lead instructor for functional fitness. Eric has trained Olympic gold medalists, Gatorade and New Jersey Players of the Year, national world champions, all Americans and pro ball athletes. His latest projects include Diamond Revolution Training, an online training platform for baseball and softball athletes, as well as the Principles of Program Design, an education workshop series for trainers and coaches on the art and science of designing programs. We are blessed to get his insights today. Welcome, Coach Eric, and welcome to the Organic Matrix. Thanks for having me, Smith. It's an absolute honor. Where are you from? Uh, as you can tell by my exotic accent, I am from New Jersey. I'm from Staten Island. <laughs> so it's easy to, it's a little bit easy to pick out of a crowd when you hear, when you hear my accent, but I try to, I try to hide it best I can. Nothing to hide. We're dope out here, right? <laughs> <laughs> what inspired you to become a coach and an instructor? Uh, in terms of the stuff that I do uh, with athletes specifically is being someone who was an aspiring athlete just wasn't given the best DNA to, to, to live out my dream of playing for the Yankees. Um, as they say, those who can't do teach. And so uh, now that I know what I know uh, all these years later, I, I could have been much better than I was. Um, and uh, I, I still wasn't going to play for the Yankees. But it, it, um, but there's so much more that, that we can do, um, not just as athletes, but just, you know, uh, mentally, physically, uh, with ourselves by providing the right challenges and knowing how and when to, to, to look for those challenges and, and, and go after them. Your answer reminds me of a lot of the coaches I had in college. I used to be a wrestler. Okay. My coach used to say the same thing. His, his name was JP. He worked at Life University. I don't know if you heard of that college. In sure, chiropractic college, yes. Yes. And he he was like, his name is Coach JP, and he was our weightlifting coach. And mm -hmm. he said, I didn't get the best genetics. So I married someone who's like six foot two. And <laughs> he's like five foot flat, I think. Um, so I just, I love that mindset. And he was always like the best coach because I, I, he, he considered the genetics. Like he, he was very confident. Can you tell us a time where you were inspired by a client's growth? Uh, I was fortunate enough to kind of be thrown into some challenges that were way over my head early in my career. <clears throat> and one of them that always stands out to me is one of my first clients. Um, I, I worked in, a, in a, a large fitness facility and there was a bunch of trainers there, but, but I was always the one who was constantly trying to learn and take workshops and read, constantly reading a book if I wasn't working with clients. So I kind of became that trainer that when no one else wanted to work with somebody, they sent it to me. Like if you came in and you said, well, I had this previous injury or I have these concern, health concerns, every, every other trainer got scared. And they said, oh, you gotta go see Eric. So uh, I get assigned one day to Bob and Bob has his wife bring him in and he's in a wheelchair. 
and Bob uh, was in a motorcycle accident, but the accident didn't do him and he had an infection that got to his spine in the hospital and shut him down, uh, basically from the waist down and he was confined to a wheelchair. And he came in and I had no idea what to do with him. And the first day I remember it took me and his wife probably a, a good portion of the session just to get him on a seated chest press machine. The only reason I put him on that because it wasn't the best exercise because the only the machine had actually had a seat belt on it. It was the only thing I felt safe having him do. And it just, and I did the first session. I'm like, oh no, I don't, I have no idea what I'm, and I'd said to him, quite frankly, I don't know if I'm the guy. And he said, listen, I, I no longer have physical therapy. Uh, they cut me off. And so it's either you or I sit home and rock. So I'm going to take whatever you got. And so I just, you know, did everything I could to learn as much as I could to try to help him as much as I could. And he gradually started to get a little bit better and a little bit better. And the next thing you know, we, we can get him up in a walker and he can kind of he can struggle a little bit and he was okay if he fell down or if he was okay if he struggled a little bit and um i remember to this day it still gives me chills he was his his wife comes in and she said so did he tell you what he did this weekend and he was a real you know he was a real funny guy and he, and he was always busting chops they said oh what'd you do now what'd you get in trouble for now and she says he walked his daughter down the aisle he said, uh, she said, the whole church started crying and he was able to get his daughter down the aisle in a walker. And it was at that point, I realized the impact that this can have on people's lives. And like I said, to this day, it still gives me chills. That makes my heart sink in such a great way. And, and then that was such an honor that you got all of the clients that really needed you, the ones that were struggling. In my career as an athlete, I had a lot of injuries that set me back. And to think that there's coaches out there to consider those injuries and that will help you train around it. I had a lot of coaches say, tough it out, deal with the pain, do the workout. But I like that you consider, you start where the client needs to be started instead of just throwing them into the ring. Well, the first thing I tell every athlete, every team I work with is my second goal is to improve your performance. My first goal is to keep you as available as possible. Your number one ability is your availability and no one ever scored a touchdown or a goal or, or hit a home run from the training room. So we have to do everything in our power to keep you available and out of that training room. And so um, there's certain things we can control, certain things we can't. If you're a wrestler and you get, you know, an elbow or a thumb in the eye, that's part of the, that's part of the, the gig, you know, that's what you signed up for. But it's the hamstring pulls and the shoulder strains and the low back stuff and stuff that your body just kind of starts failing to meet the demands of your sport. That's just poor preparation. And so we need to do a better job of preparing you for whatever stressors your sport's going to have. And so that's, that's the number one thing is keeping you as healthy as possible so you can get as much out of that sport as possible. Um, that's number one. Um, and then number two is understanding that difference between being tough and being stupid. Um, you know, I tell every, every athlete when I first do an evaluation on day one is to say, I need as much communication as possible. I said, if something hurts, you need to let me know so we can figure it out now so it doesn't come back and bite us later. I said, uh, if we're, you know, I'm on your sideline and it's the fourth quarter of the state championship game, then, you know, and you say to me, oh, my shoulder doesn't feel right. I say, you know what, suck it up and we'll talk about it tomorrow because now's not the time. But now it's not. Now, if it's if it's two months before you play a meaningful game, now is the time to kind of get your body right and pay attention to that, and not try to tough it out and being able to understand the difference between difficult and pain. And then they'll say, oh, coach, this hurts. And it'll say, it hurts, meaning like, ouch, I don't want to do it. No, it's just hard. Well, hard is too bad. Hard is part of what gets us better. But 
But Hertz is a totally different thing. And understand the difference between the two is something that everybody needs to understand, especially an athlete. How can we take steps for, for instance, people who maybe not, not have had an athletic career growing up, but are maybe in their like 40s, 50s, 60s, and they want to like chase athleticism and try a triathlete. How can we build that body awareness when it can be foreign to some of us? Um, I think, you know, I'm always very big on starting with some level of, of evaluation or assessment. Now, if you can find a professional that can do that, um, that's going to go a long way in figuring because we have a lot of blind spots that we're not aware of. And one of the first things I'll do on day one, if you come as a client, is we're going to do an assessment. And the first thing we look at is how well you move. Can you do some fundamental things? Can you touch your toes? Can you rotate right to left? Can you uh, reach your hands behind your back? Can you balance on one leg? And if you, and sometimes that's a very eye-opening uh, experience for some people because either they they were you know, an athlete 15, 20 years ago, or they've never done anything uh, exercise wise, and they're shocked to find out where their blind spots are, what they're not good at. And those are the things that can end up coming to become the issue and the roadblock to their success. So we have to first kind of look at, can you do the most fundamental things in terms of your own body control and movement, uh, like some of those things I mentioned before. And then from there, we need to figure out what's the, what's the level we're going to meet you at, right? So you're successful, but challenged. That's how it all works. We need to be challenged because that's how we change. If you go and lift weights, your body says, I don't know what you just did, but if you're going to keep doing that, I'm going to have to get stronger. I'm going to have to maybe build a little muscle or, or, or get more efficient in our nervous system so we can lift those heavy things if you're going to keep doing that. Or if you're going to go out for long runs, I have to get better physiology and, and, and uh, aerobic air supply to, to all those cells to, to be able to manage that demand. And, and that's what all our cells are there to do. It's there to adapt. And just like if it was hot in the room, we'd shiver to, to, to or if we'd sweat to cool down. If it was cold, we'd shiver to warm up. And so we have to create what they call in, in exercise science, the said principle, specific adaptation to impose demand. So depending on what you want to have happen with your, with your physical being, we have to make sure we have the right stressors to make that happen. And then with that, you also have to be successful that if you haven't run before, you don't need to go out for a five mile run. You can go run to the neighbor's house and back. And that may be all you need for today. And then the next day you get two doors down. And then, then the next day you get three doors down. And that's what we call progressive overload and making sure that you're just enough that you're challenged, but you're also still successful and you can come back and do it again. It's not this, oh, it all starts Monday type of mentality. I'm going to go out and do, you know, drink, you know, I, me and my buddies who did that when we were little, we didn't know, we didn't know any better. We were young stupid kids and we'd watch Rocky, we drink raw eggs and then we go out and run and we threw up and then we just stopped doing it two days later. You know, so having the ability to have a progressive program is a big difference between going out and I'm just going to do workouts. I think what you mentioned is a big reason why people will go on these like exercises binges or like have those new year resolutions and like fall off because maybe like Mike I remember when I was training my coach said technically we should be going 10% more every week. Is that, is that true? Uh, you not necessarily, um, is because there, it's not a linear path to, to progress and that there's, there's ebbs and flows to it. And one of the things I also do with, with people that I see regularly is I do when they first walk on the door is a, an evaluation of their, what we call their current state of readiness is that I may have written a program, uh, a month or a week ago, based on what we, you know, what we saw. But since then, you know, may, you may have had terrible sleep because you were, 
studying for an exam or you're you have a newborn at home or something like that or you might have taken a cross-country flight or you shoveled your driveway or you, you might have done a number of things that changed the human being that's in front of me versus the one i wrote the program for a week ago so we have to adapt it to that it's not this simple always push further it's this push and pull of now you're going to have days where you're a little more challenged where you're underslept you're undernourished you're under recovered those are days to back off a little bit, and we may need to pull you back 10, 20, 50%, and today may be a lighter day, whereas other days, you may have got a great night's sleep, it's payday, everything's going great, and that's the day, yeah, you may want to push it 10, 20% more. Um, so we have to have kind of an, an, an assessment of where your, 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 your baseline is to kind of know those things, but it's not as simple as I just keep gaining. Like If, if that was the case, then if I started bench pressing 100 pounds, and then next month I press 110. By the end of the year, I'll be bench pressing a thousand pounds. It doesn't work that way, right? Uh, it, it, there's, it's about challenge and recovery, challenge and recovery, and this stress and adaptation cycle, and managing that and being able to play that art artfully is really what my job is. That's a, that's a great answer because that clears things up a lot. It's it's about respecting the the machine, the human body as a machine, right? Like, and it's a machine that has a that that is a, a not a cyborg. It's a machine mm -hmm. that has a, a, a human being that's attached to it, and that human being has has emotions, has thoughts, has misconceptions, has all sorts of different things that you have to overcome. Um, whereas, you know, I had an athlete this morning that's that's chronically dealing with injuries, and and I would argue that most of those are from his own demise and that he he's looking for injuries. He's kind of labeled himself as the injury prone person, as opposed to actually being that person. And I have to explain to him a lot of days that you're not broken. There's nothing broken here. You're fine. Go out and play. You're good. You, you know, a, a little twinge here and there is going to be somewhat natural and you can overcome it. You, you know, these are some of the things we're going to do to make sure that you stay safe, but you have to actually go out and play. And so um, you know, understanding that is, is artful, but it, 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 I wish it was machines. Being the, the, the human mind that's attached to it is what makes it a lot more complex. Yeah. So can, um, can you tell us, for the audience that doesn't know what functional movement is? Okay, so it's a term that, that really got popularized uh, back in the, the mid to late 90s, early 2000s. And it became very misconstrued on what that means. And most people think functional means that it's a bunch of different, you know, fancy tools or balance apparatus, and you're doing a, you know, these circus act type activities. It's it's really not. Is that function is is that there's a fundamental set of of things that we should be able to do as human beings, um, and that was uh, a software that and, and a programming development. Um, timeline that was that was not created by me or any other strength coach or, or trainer or physical therapist. It was created by nature and that in the first 21 to 24 months of life, we have milestones that we hit from you start eye tracking to where you can pick up your head and then you can press yourself up and then you can roll to your belly and to your back and then you start to scoot and then you crawl and then you can get up to kneeling and then you get up to standing and then you kind of rock and and then you fall down and then you get to walking and then that's whole develop and then from there we can start to to learn to carry and climb and do those sorts of things. And those are just fundamental patterns that we spend the first two years learning and then the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years screwing them up. 
And so <laughs> the first thing I need to make sure is do you at least ha- possess those fundamental patterns that are written into our software? And if not, functional to me means restoring those patterns. Now, if you have those patterns, functional is then uh, specific to your environment that you're going into. So if your environment is that you're a construction worker, I need to make sure that you can get into the positions and postures and shapes uh, that you need to for your for your job from a movement standpoint. And I need to also make sure that your training matches the physiological demands of what your day is going to bring for you. So, and that's where we go back into that whole said principle, making sure you're specifically prepared for whatever you're going to do that day. I love that. I, I, I don't, I don't know if it's the athlete in me, but it gets me excited to think people would have a trainer to help them have prolonged activity at work. If they're doing something as strenuous as like construction And I don't know how common practice this is, but I know um, my my boyfriend's a trucker. They they do have like trainers that offer programs for them to stay fit. And I hope to see more businesses in the future incorporate intelligence about functional movement to help their workers stay on the stay um, not injured, like to prevent. Well, if you'd like to think for the for the for the benefit, you know, the benefit of the of the of the worker, the end user, but if for nothing else, it's because it's going to, it's going to start really affecting the bottom line. And that's what we're seeing now is musculoskeletal, musculoskeletal injuries are now become the number one claim uh, for insurance companies. And that's beyond all these other metabolic diseases that we always saw were the bigger issues because, you know, low back pains, the, the number two reason why people call out of work sick. And so uh, I had the, the uh, ability to go work with a colleague out in Southern California who had a uh, program specifically for incorporating uh, movement programs with uh, utility workers. And it was astonishing when I started to talk to some of the guys out there, they said, if we're on a crew, and so let's say that you and you and I, and, and there's a couple other uh, people in our crew and, and our truck can't go out that day because you have low back pain, it costs the company $10,000 in production just for that day. So imagine now what can happen when those dollars start adding up really quickly when you have people who are doing a really physically demanding job and, and getting to work with, with utility workers gave me an incredible new uh, appreciation for the, for the men and women who are climbing up the utility poles and going down and, and, uh, into manholes and, and doing all that type of work because it's incredibly demanding and they're beat up from it and they're doing really long hours. They're, they're working double shifts. They're not working. They're not getting great sleep. They're not getting great nutrition and uh, they're beat up and it's costing the company millions and millions of dollars as well as, you know, more, you know, more importantly, it's costing the, the, the life and, and, and the health span of these individuals in terms of not only how long you're living, but also what type of life you're living into your later years because your body's just so beat up. Wow. Yeah. That really puts things into perspective. Um, there's a lot that's that we're seeing now, like with fossil fuels and everything, like this is the generation where we all adapt. Like that's our only choice at this point as an entire country. Like We all have to switch gears. And I think this is a gear that we must switch. Uh, I feel like we, for the last two, three generations, it, we were all about grind, grind, grind. And I feel like now we're at this generation where we're realizing that we have to go back to the fundamentals and we have to start focusing on our well-being and we have to start focusing on 
and instead of feeding instant gratification all the time, finding ways to incorporate delayed gratification into our lives to balance out all of the instant we get. And, you know, like to focus on to our nutrition so that we can help our bodies adapt to these viruses and also keeping in mind of our functional movement. Because like you said, like, what kind of quality of life are we going to have when we're in our 60s if we're not taking care of our bodies before injury, before we're strained from work and like, and, and then people's wages. How can, how can we continue to pay our bills if we're not taking care of ourselves? So I love that you mentioned that because it humbles us. Like we may not like at 20 in my twenties right now, I may not have these problems right now, but if I take that for granted, I could be ruining my life in my fifties and sixties. So well, yeah. And, and, you know, when we look at, you know, talk about grinding is that we're not as talking about being prepared for an environment. We're less prepared than we were two, three generations ago. That's why we've had to lower our military standards for physical fitness um, dramatically in the last 50 years, because if not, we wouldn't have people fit to serve. And this is something that, that was uh, predicted 50, 60 years ago um, by, by people like Hans Krauss, who's a phys famous physiotherapist who came from Europe to the United States. And he had a series of, of functional tests that he used to do with, with school children. And he was shocked when he got here in the 50s and 60s and realized that our kids couldn't do them. Um, and said to, he, he actually became an advisor to, to JFK. And he actually said, you know, if you don't start getting your kids in shape, you're not gonna have anybody fit to, to fight for you in, in, in years to come. And that's why we started the whole Presidential Physical Fitness Council and the whole thing. Unfortunately, that kind of got derailed and it wasn't about fitness, it was about playing sports. And so if you fast forward now, I've done some work in, in, in doing some projects in physical education. If you look at the physical literacy and movement of our kids, it's really, really scary. Um, and they're, they, not only can they not move, uh, we were, we did some basic movement testing on middle school kids and it was shocking how many kids had, had not discomfort or couldn't do it. Like said, they had reported pain doing simple things like trying to touch their toes, trying to rotate right to left, trying to extend back. Um, and, and to see that, well, that's going to only precipitate that much more. And if, if musculoskeletal claims are the biggest health, you know, insurance claims now, how much is that going to cost us uh, as a whole with healthcare being out of control as it is, how much is that going to cost us 30 years down the line with, with all the musculoskeletal injuries, with all the, the metabolic diseases that are going to come out of the fact that we just don't move anymore. Um, and then obviously that got exacerbated when people got, you know, you know, locked into their homes for, for, for almost two years. And so we're on a, a scary path in terms of our health and fitness in, in some ways. Um, in other ways, it's, it's um, great in that we have mediums in which people can share information and uh, you're seeing more people on the flip side also get involved in, in doing greater things in, in talking about longevity at greater ages. Whereas, you know, when I first started in this industry 20, 25 years ago, there wasn't, you know, 50 and 60 year olds like I train now who are doing triathlons, who are competing in mixed martial arts, who are doing, who are playing competitive tennis, who are doing these types of things and not looking to slow down anytime soon. And they're showing that it can be done. It's being shown in, in sports at the highest level. And one of the greatest football players ever is coming back in 40 something years old. And uh, you're seeing golfers compete at a very high level and in, 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 into the later years and seeing it in, in, in a number of sports. And, 
Um, it's because we're much better at how we can take care of ourselves if we follow the, the, the science of how to do that. Well, you're, you have a huge duty. Like, this is definitely, uh, I, I have to give you appreciation for being a soldier for this fight because, you know, it's, it's human, like as humans, like we always try to preserve our lives. Like those are always our main priority, like preserve our economy, preserve life. And this is a, a key factor. And I feel like we need to come together like as a community to have an intervention on creating more movement and more programs for children to be inspired to move because that's a very scary statistic. We're, we're gonna leave ourselves very vulnerable if we don't start having some kind of intervention soon. Yeah, unfortunately, my industry's done a really, really lousy job of doing that um, because of what is uh, most commonly thought or perceived to be fitness in that you have to go to some special place with shiny equipment and flashing lights and you have to burn a certain number of calories you have to have a certain number of steps or it doesn't count and like that couldn't be further from the truth like you know my my grandparents lived into their 90s and they never stepped foot into a gym um, and lived vibrant lives but they 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 were active and so going out for a walk counts going out riding your bike going out dancing doing whatever it is that you like to do as long as you're active and moving in your uh but every technological advance that we've had in the last 50 to 100 years is to make us move less whether it's the, the, the thing on your keychain that opened your car door so you don't have to do it the remote control so you don't have to get up and change a channel the the um every little thing we do is for us to move less um and so we have to work hard to find opportunities to move more whether that means you park, you know, park a couple spots further away uh, when you go to the store provided it's safe or whether it's you take the stairs instead of the escalator or the, the elevator you have to look for opportunities to move and make that part of kind of who you are and what you do absolutely and i'm glad that you gave us a few tips and ideas and i want to dive in deeper to that what are some ways that we can add principles of functional movement into our daily lives uh, one is, is, is make sure you preserve at least your foundational movement your, that, that, that nature gave you. Make sure that you can still be, you don't need to be an Olympic athlete to be able to do backflips, but you should be able to touch your toes. You should be able to rotate right to left freely. You should be able to reach back. You should be able to reach behind your back, either over the top or behind you. Um, you should be able to squat down and get in and out of a chair. You should be able to balance on a single leg. All these things are things that you need to work hard to preserve because what happens is, is every decade we lose more mobility we lose more strength and so if we don't want to be a burden in our families or we, we want to live a robust life later into our years you need to make sure you work to preserve those things. so that's the first thing is make sure you preserve your your foundational movements and then from there uh you need to have some foundation of, of just strength right um there's actually some really fascinating research that looks into the correlation of your grip strength. So I have a, like a, a grip dynamometer, which would test your grip strength, that they show that that there's a correlation with grip strength and mortality. And people who have weaker grip strength are, 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 will die sooner. And that's because they're just a less robust human being. Grip is, a, is an expression of that, of your ability to, to connect your nervous system and create muscular force. And so those are the people who who can't, you know, you take that with the, you add in the fact of balance, because uh, once you fall after the age of 65, your your chances of coming back and being the same person or even living uh, another, you know, couple of years beyond that go way down. 
And so those are very controllable factors. You can improve your grip strength by doing some basic strength training. You can improve your balance by doing some strength training and some simple balance exercises um, that are going to be hugely important. And that should be the foundation of every program. It's the same foundation that I put in my high school athletes programs. It's just put at a different level of the continuum in terms of the force that they need to that they need to produce and the demands they need to meet but those are some of the most fundamentals and then you need to have some level of cardiovascular fitness and that so you can walk upstairs without getting out of breath so you can take out the garbage without having your heart race uh those sorts of things is are incredibly important and we need to work both ends of that spectrum you should be able to to walk a, a good distance without having to breathe through your mouth or get out of breath um, and be able to work at a nice low level for extended periods as a base. And you also should be able to work up at high ends. You should be able to get where you can push your heart rate to near to its maximum and be able to recover from that. And so your program needs to have a little bit of each of these things. And unfortunately, because we have that human brain attached to us, we tend to go towards what we like. We tend to, you know, being a, a meathead, I always want to be in the gym lifting weights where I also have to force myself and, and now I've actually become, uh, you know, a fan of doing cardio and being able to do some, some aerobic fitness, um, being able to work, you know, your mobility is something that I, I don't naturally like to do, but it's something that I have to make as part of a, a priority in my program. Cause if I don't do it, then I'm going to lose that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That, that, Sheds a lot of perspective, honestly. This conversation is very, it's, it's inspiring me because these, I feel like sitting down, being at home, I went from being like extreme extrovert, very active, um, to during the pandemic, being in quarantine and then falling in love with technology because of the accessibility to speaking to amazing people like you and learning more. And so I got stuck into my own little world. But I sit here and I, I, know that I need to be more active I need to go outside I need to go on walks and it's good to know that it starts where you're at I think for our listeners we don't have to be overwhelmed by the whole idea of like gym and like going so hard that we get burnout and going on crazy diets but it's like making it a lifestyle right like pushing ourselves a little bit more every day and like being conscious that it's a part of self-care as much as we need to eat, we need to move, right? It's it's something, again, my industry does a really lousy job of. And then we're also up against the, uh, the, the competition that you see of the nonsense that, that's on social media uh, that, that really sp- spoils people's brains as to what fitness and, and health really is. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I have to compete all the time with people who come in and say, you know, um, I just saw the rock did this workout, you know, I want to be able to do, you know, or I want to do, I saw the rock does this with his diet. And I said, okay, well, if you want to do that, I said, do you have a financial advisor? I said, what do you mean? I said, well, I want you to call your financial advisor and say, I want to do the rocks financial plan. I'm like, well, the rocks worth billions of dollars. And I said, yeah, exactly. And the rock was also a division one athlete for one of the best college teams in history I said, you have as much shot of following his exercise and diet plan as you do as follows his financial plan. You can't, you can't do that. That's not reality. Um, so getting that gets people to kind of understand like, okay, well, I have to kind of fit what's right for me and, and what's right for my goals too, mm-hmm. is because of the, the response to exercises specific, you got to make sure you're doing what's going to actually bring out your goals. That's the difference between a program and a workout. Mm-hmm. A workout is 
I just go and sweat and work hard. I can go mow my lawn and, and do yard work and get a workout. Um, but that's not a program. And that's not that not to say that doing a workout is bad. Um, you know, I have a good friend who's a, a, a spin instructor. Sometimes I'll go take his class and it has it's nothing to do with what my my personal physical goals are, but it's fun and it's movement. It's not bad for me. Um, but I just have to understand that doing his class four days a week isn't going to get me to where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, 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 it's not this black and white, this binary decision of this is the best way to get in shape or do these 10 exercises, the best thing to do. Because the reality is, is you could do, I have, I know thousands and thousands of exercises and I can give you hundreds of combinations of the 10 best things you can do and they all could work. Um, so it's a matter of being successful. It's a matter of being challenged. And as long as you can meet those two criteria and success is also being able to wake up and do it again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're a bodybuilder, unless you're in, a, in extreme ends of sports, there's no reason you should wake up debilitated from a workout. You should work up feeling better the next day than you did the day before. Um, and so that mindset of no pain, no gain of, of you gotta, you know, go to, go to exhaustion is, is, is so out of context of how exercise science actually works. That's that's good to know because after training in college for wrestling and going to Fargo Nationals had me burnt out. I was like, I don't want to suffer anymore. I love well, it. I gotta go. <laughs> you're but you're putting yourself. You had to because you're putting yourself in a in an, in an environment that is for suffering. And someone's trying to <laughs> right. Someone's trying to pull your limbs <laughs> off your body. Right. That's but so if you're going to be prepared for that, you have to go through a, a somewhat equal amount of suffering to get prepared for that environment. Most people aren't doing that. Ninety nine point nine percent of the world is not going into that type of a stressful environment, um, but they still need to challenge themselves. And uh, I think we've we've lost the art of challenging ourselves. And, and there's there's some um, there's some great books out now that kind of talk about that. There's. Um, there's something I just read uh, by Steve Magnus called Do Hard Things is a great book about that. And then there's there's also another great book called The Comfort Crisis and that we're very comfortable. And the only way we grow I mean, mentally, physically um, is to, to get outside of that comfort zone mm-hmm. and to the art of how far you push is, is really what a program is about is how do I push you just outside of the comfort zone so you're a little bit better today than you were tomorrow. Uh, and handling, you know, what's going to come at you, you know, in the course of the day. Our our caveman ancestors must look at us like, like what kind of heaven and fantasy is this? Like we used to have to work hard to survive. Now you guys have to work hard <laughs> as a balanced choice. And it's like, funny you say that. I actually say when I teach workshops, I said if you were to take a time machine back, not even that far, not even back to the caveman, go back, you know. Uh, a couple hundred years and then try to explain like for me to try to explain to somebody what I do for a living they wouldn't be able to wrap their heads around it the fact that we need to get people to move well what do you mean they don't move enough well they sit all day well, how do they earn, how do they survive well they get paid to sit all day well what do you mean they get paid to sit all day like it's just insane the concept when you when you take it at when you take a step back and take the 10,000 foot view of kind of where we are right now and it it all makes sense of why we're all broken and why we're all fragile. Yeah, it does. It, it very much does. And I'm glad that we have, we're, we're, we're seeing the light right now. At least that everyone listening to this show and, and me too. It's like, this is, 
grounding me, taking me out of my imagination and how everything should be in my head. But this is the reality of where we are now. Like, um, what can the average person do to feel their best and stay injury free? Uh, again, maintain your fundamental movements. I always break it into three categories is, uh, the big three things for me are move and make sure you can move well. And then from there, um, you know, uh, build your, your body control, build your strength, build your aerobic capacity. Um, then from the next big bucket would be fuel and fuel is what you put in your body. That's your nutrition. That's every you know, you literally are what you eat. Every cell in your body comes from macronutrients and micronutrients that you consumed. Uh, and, and so that's going to be uh, essential to make better decisions in terms of what we fuel, or not only from the inside, but also from the outside and what you put into your eyes and ears and um, what TV you watch, what, what you're spending your time doing, or you're going on social media, you're watching the news, you're hanging out with people that are, that are creating negative energy. All those things are going to affect your, your, your well-being, um, either positively or negatively. And then the last thing is, is, you know, you have move is number one, number two is, is fuel. Number three is reset, is that we don't grow in the gym. We don't grow you know, on the mat or at the field or those things, all those things light, basically plant the seeds. Okay. Mm -hmm. And those seeds only grow on the other 20 plus hours a day when, when we recover. And those resets, you know, our number one reset is sleep, which we do a really bad job of. And, and how many people, if you look at the stats of how many people have sleep disorders is scary. Um, and they chase after that with pills and masks and all these sorts of things when it's a lot of it's uh, learning how to manage the other two things will actually help with your reset, and your sleep, and then being able to reset yourself on a micro level. Can I stop and catch my breath? Can I reset myself? Can I, can I calm my mind? Can I sit and just be quiet for a minute, right? Those things are kind of the powerful resets that allow us to come back stronger the next day. Um, and so your training is only as good as you, and your, your ability to handle challenges only as your ability to, to kind of reset. And so that's really what keeps us robust and injury free and, and healthy, uh, for, for long periods of time. Yes. I love that you mentioned mindfulness. Like we have to be mindful. So let me know which direction to go. And I know you touched upon it a little bit before the importance of having a training program, but I do want to re, uh, re reiterate to our audience coach why is it so important to have a specific training program well because it, it makes sure you're it's it's your gps it's your gps to know where you're going and so there's sometimes it's okay just to go out for a drive or just go out for a walk and who cares where you land as long as i end up back home um that's a workout right um, but other times you need to get someplace and if you just go out mindlessly you may get there if you're lucky um, and more times it's by mistake than by design. And so you want to take the most efficient, safe and, and effective path to get there. And that's what a good program will do for you. And, and that's really the difference is it's your GPS. It's your guide. It tells you when you're made the wrong turn. Um, it tells you when you've, when you're going the right way and you can tell you, you can see the minutes clicking down as you're getting closer and closer to that goal. Cause you can see, changes in your strength or your body composition or your range of motion because you're on that path um, towards exactly where you want to be. And I love the idea of a custom plan because, you know, a lot of times if we're coming out of a high school mentality, right, we're like, for some reason, high school kids are obsessed with the bench press. Like, 
lot of people are obsessed with the bench press, but how are you going to feel that power and strength in your daily lives? Like that's why I love yoga, Pilates and functional movement because, and the idea of getting a custom program is you'll start feeling the benefits of your ex of your work in your daily life. If you work with a coach like you, because you'll get a custom plan that fits your career. And importantly, like you said, your, your personal goals, because a lot of people I can imagine if they don't know a lot about the human anatomy, go on Instagram, pick a workout routine from somebody Insta famous, do the workout and then wonder, why aren't I getting the results that I'm looking for? Well, it's because that program's not specific to where you're at, right? And that's the importance of having assistance with creating a program, right? Yeah. And, and I can't tell you right now, if you were to come in for me, come into me for a program, if you said, well, I want a bench press, I can't tell you if that's good or bad. It may be. It may be in line with your goals and it may be something that you're suited for. But if I go in and, and do some testing and find out you have horrible shoulder mobility and you can't even get in the position you need to to do a good bench press, well, it's not the bench press's fault. It, it, it's just another exercise, just another movement. It's really what you're bringing to the exercise is the problem. So it's 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 not about this, you know, conversation that I'll have at a at a, at a party or out in public or say, hey, is Pilates good? Is yoga good? Well, you know, I always say it depends. I don't know. It depends on what it is that you're looking for, um, and it depends on how it's applied and what you bring to it. So all all these things could be are not necessarily good, bad, or indifferent. It's it depends if it's right and if you're right for it, right? So. Um, that that's the bigger questions you need to ask is not just, is this good or bad? Because there's a, you know, there's a lot of things that are really good. Yoga is, there's a reason it's been around for 3000 years is that it's really, really good, but there's some people that may not be the best thing for them, mm -hmm. um, as, as good as it may be, or, and it doesn't have to be a binary decision. It may be that it's, it's great for them, but they only need a little bit of it. They don't need a lot of it. Right. Or some people may need a lot of it and some people may need a little bit of it. So it's not this black or white type of thing. Is it good or bad? It's just how much of that do I really need and how much does that apply for, for what I'm able to do and what I want to do. If somebody wants to get a custom program made for them, how, where, where do you recommend them start to look? Okay, so if you're looking for, I'll tell you what, what to look for and what not to look for. If you're looking for a, a professional to put together your program, you have to first filter out the people that it's about them versus about you, right? If most of the, if your first 10 minutes of conversation is most about them of, you know, hey, I won this state title in high school, or I, I'm the, you know, Mr. Uh, New Jersey champion, or I'm the, you know, in uh, talking about their accolades and their programs, then say it was nice to meet you and walk away because the program is about them and it's not about you in that. Uh, I, it, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I have no vested interest. I, I quite frankly don't care what you do in your program. It, I've seen enough people do enough exercise so many times that it doesn't matter to me if you're doing mobility work, if you're doing speed work, if you're doing power work, I don't really care. It's, 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 I'm just plugging in what you need. And so if the questions are about you, then, then you know, you that's the first time you're in, you know, you're in the right place. Then the next thing is they need to know about, and I always say they kind of have to know about three things to write a good program. They need to ask about your past. They should know that there's a big difference in writing a program for someone like yourself, who's a former high level competitive athlete versus someone who's never set foot 
in any sort of exercise arena ever. Okay, that's a big, big thing to know. I need to know about your previous injury, your medical history, your exercise history, all those things. They need to be asking those types of questions. They need to know about your past. Then they also need to know about your present, meaning there should be some level of evaluation of where you're at. Because if I'm coming in and I want a better beach body, well, I need to have some baseline of where I'm at. Are they going to look at your body uh, circumference measurements or, or body composition or, or any of those types of things? Are they taking baseline measures? Um, they also should be looking at your current state of abilities um, and knowing where you're at so they can program you and plot you right on the right spot of level of challenge. And then most importantly, they should know about your future. Like, what is your goal? And what is, you know, what are you specifically looking to do? How much time do you have to achieve that goal? All these things are really important questions. And if they're not asking you those questions, you're probably not going to get a program that's really suited to you. And so that's the first thing is if you're getting someone who's giving you a lot more questions than answers, then you're in the right place. Um, and, and finding someone that can do those things and, um, and, and makes it about you. And then also once this, let's say you come in and I write this program and I, you know, I'd like to think I'm going to write you a really good program. That's not it forever. That's going to need to change. It's going to need to adapt as you change and adapt and it needs to be some sort of modification and, and so forth. And so that's why you've seen places that are popular, you know, fitness centers that have come and gone by the wayside because it was literally here's your stations of exercises you do these exercises every single day for eternity and you know people you know if if, if not for the boredom of it people are going to change and adapt they need to, to get something that's going to meet them at where they are as they progress and so those are some of the factors you want to look into when you're looking for uh, a professional and i look for that almost more than i do what letters are after their name because you can have somebody who sat in the back of a certification class, didn't really soak any of it in, somehow passed the test, and now is not representing those letters or that brand the way that they should. Um, and so it means a lot more to me that someone is investing um, their interest in you um, in terms of what you're looking for. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I think that that's a clear cut, perfect answer. And I, I love that because it's so true. If they're asking questions, it's going to be more custom. It's not going to be more copy and paste. And I love that. Um, if do you do you uh, offer like online? Like, do you, do you make programs for people if they wanted to work with you? That's actually something I'll be launching in the next few months uh, that I just I just uh um, beta testing an app that I just created uh, where I can deliver everything uh, through the app. Um, I have a couple hundred exercises that I have uploaded in there. I have the nutrition templates. I have everything uh, kind of ready to go. I'm testing it out with my hybrid clients now. I'm going to be launching that virtually in the, in the next month or two. I would love to stay in contact and be a part of that app because this conversation is making me want to get back in there, but I want to go in there with some guidance because 
after being a, an at like a college athlete and then having a couple of years out of the gym, I I don't know where to start to be honest. I I know I know a bit about form, but I don't know enough to make my own program so to speak. And yeah, and and it starts with being humble and and um, being able to say I'm gonna I just, I just need to win this you know this day and when I can win this day then I'm more likely to win the next day and so um, you can't win them all in one day. There's never I always tell I always joke with my athletes I said I've never had anybody of all the the, the big name athletes I've worked with never had anybody say you know what you know what made the difference in me winning a Super Bowl was that one workout I did back in 2007 was really all the difference in the world. It doesn't work that way. It's an accumulation of, of, of non-negotiable habits and, and um, consistency is really what gets it done. And so the art is finding what's going to get it, what's going to get you to come back tomorrow and be successful. I love that quote. Can can you tell us more about your co- your courses and seminars, Diamond Revolution Training and Principles of Program Design? Sure. So uh, those are kind of two separate things. Diamond Revolution is is for my personal uh, passion for working with, and I've worked with a lot of baseball and softball athletes over the years. And so that actually came out of um, something I've been working on for years and years. And COVID kind of uh, expedited that, where <clears throat> my industry, everything got shut down in March, 2020, from going out and teaching workshops to working with clients and teams. So everybody in the world wanted to do something virtually. And so I said, I need to do something that A, is something I have a passion for, and B, that's unique from everybody else trying to just put workouts on Zoom and Instagram. So I said, I wanted to create something that's a systematic course uh, for athletes. So it's not so much here by my, you know, six-week training program, for athletes that this is set up as an, as a course that you go through. Um, so you kind of learn about yourself and as an athlete and what are the steps you need to do to be the best baseball and softball player. And so there's different tiers of that, depending on where you're coming to it, whether you're, you know, that 12 year old kid who's now looking to hopefully play in high school and now wants to start learning to how to control their body and, and take care of themselves or to the high school athlete that's now, starting to go to the weight room and now needs to start developing to, to maybe play at the next level. And now needs to start incorporating, you know, a little more advanced training to the highest level of athlete to, to be able to incorporate that. So that's diamond revolution is the baseball softball specific piece of that. Those are, that's for the end user for the athlete. Um, whereas the uh, principles of program design, that is something else that, that kind of a, a colleague of mine who I've been teaching with for years, um, during COVID, we were looking at putting down some content. We said, what's the blind spot on the professional side? Professionally, what are we not doing well? Because we'll go out and we'll teach wor- workshops on functional movement, on how to do screenings and those sorts of things. And we'll say, well, what's the biggest thing we see as a, a missing link in the physical therapists, the strength coaches, the, the uh, personal trainers we see out there? And we say, well, they learn all these techniques. They learn functional movement screening, or they loan these mobility techniques or, or, or strength uh, type of programs. But when they go back, they, they don't know how to write a program. They don't know how to actually apply it. And they don't know how to make it specific to the individual or to the setting if they're working in a group or a team. And so we said, we need to teach people how to write programs. And so that's where we came up with this concept, of the principles of program design, where we have an online course as well as a live course, uh, where we take you through all the steps of how to how to build a program for someone from the very beginning of, of 
um, how you interact with your clients and what are the right questions to ask um, to finding out um, about data collection and how to do assessments. What are the assessments that are going to give you value and how to, what are the things you need to know about your client? So how do you choose your exercises and how do you then program those and how do you build workouts within those programs? And then how do you adapt it based on someone's readiness and, and make modifications and changes? And so that's where we came up with the idea for that course. And so uh, that's something we've lost. Uh, we've launched in the last year or two. We have uh, uh, a live course in, in September in Rhode Island. We do about two or three courses a year. And then we have our online course. And then we also have a podcast that we talk about these topics at, uh, every single week with different people from, from our industry. What is your podcast called? The Principles of Performance. I love that now that we have online courses, like these trainers probably went to college for a long time, but it's not like as accessible to go back in your notebook notes and you know how we used to write in college and stuff like it's not as readily accessible but when you have like a course like you're creating where you could literally see step-by-step -step modules and it's all in one place and it's saved into your computer like that's that's lifelong knowledge for anybody who's in this industry who's a, a coach instructor or trainer and I think that's the biggest struggling point when it comes to how we learn things in school is like there's not enough so to speak labs like because when a lot of doctors trainers will go out of their training programs and realize that the responsibilities of the job is a lot different than what was coached or taught in their books it's a totally different way of like you can learn and recite knowledge but applying it physically is another story yeah i got very little uh insight into program design and in, in, in my uh college experience and so mike and i you know come out right in the beginning and say this is not us with some secret formula uh that we've concocted what you're going to basically get is you know i've been doing this 24 years mike's been doing it just over 20 i said you're going to basically get almost 50 years combined of everything we've screwed up here's all the mistakes that we've made and so hopefully you don't have to make them of mistakes we make at writing programs that are too long or too complex or didn't have the right things and or not knowing what assessments to do or maybe doing too many assessments, not doing enough, enough assessments, not changing the program enough, not knowing when to change, change you know. So all those things we learn the hard way uh, and we wanna kind of just pass, you know, pass that on and pay it forward to say like, you don't, don't you shouldn't have to take 20 years to figure this out. Um, if we can kind of give you a little bit of the, the insight into the mistakes that we've made and here's how you can do it better. And that's really the other thing too, is that we're, we learn more. There's a lot of things that we were taught. So, you know, going back to your hard wrestling practice, okay. What were you never allowed to do to catch your breath? Uh, put my hands on my knees. Okay. You know what the number one recovery position for your breath is? putting your hands on your knees. No way. Really? 1,000. Yes. 1,000%. So I was always yelled at by my coaches, put your hands on top of your head. Wow. Recover. It's actually the worst thing to do to try to recover your breath. You're, you're, the way you're, the way your structure is set up, the way your lungs are positioned in your body, the way your diaphragm moves, putting your hands on your knees is one of the best recovery positions we can have. So like, that's why we need to keep learning because that's what my coaches told me. And I don't want to pass that forward to another generation of kids that are going to become coaches and tell that to their kids. So I tell my, I have to tell my coach all the time that I'm working with a team, say, don't yell at them if their hands are on their knees. Like, that's actually a good thing. Let it happen. Right. Wow. We got to, what we need to do is change why their hands are on their knees. And that's, we need to do better conditioning, but 
don't yell at them because their hands are on their knees. That's human nature that puts your hands there because it's it's efficient. It's economical. There's a reason why our brains are telling us to go there. <laughs> no, your brain doesn't tell you to put your hands on your heads. It's completely out of sorts with what nature, you know, is set us up to do. So that's why we need to keep learning. I love that because every time I put my hands on my head, I felt like more chest tightness and I never ever felt better or confident they're like oh don't let the opponent see that you're weak or you're tired i'm like oh yeah i'm not tired or you can just you here's what you say unless you do coach you could just beat them you can do that too <laughs> that's true <laughs> what advice would you like to offer those who want to take action on improving their health be successful be challenged um and just start somewhere start with where you are not with you can't you can't do it all in one day um mm. And, and then go from there and, and then get a little victory every day. And then when those victories pile up, you'll be shocked in a month and three months, six months and a year, what you'll, what you'll see. Rapid fire. Are you ready, coach? Let's go. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Um, that something I taught you will allow you to, to be something you wouldn't have been otherwise. Love that. If you had to write a book tomorrow, what would it be about? Uh, there's better ways of getting better. I like that. I like that. <laughs> just like we just talked about, there's better ways of getting better. We were taught one way, there was only one way to get better, you know, when we played sports, and there's actually better ways to get better. And 10 years from now, I can't wait to see what our better ways are. And then I'll look back at what I'm doing now and say, I don't know what I was thinking. I agree. One thing I want a, a message for all the high school athletes is fight for the long run like I peaked in high school nobody should be proud to say that like don't focus on peaking right now take your time grow develop learn learn your body communicate with your coaches maybe check out coach Eric and his podcast and YouTube channel there's a lot of tools there um what's one lesson your job has taught you that you think everyone should know at this point in their life um, the more you think, you know, the less you really know, right? The, the more I do this, the more, the more my favorite three words are, I don't know, right? Cause we don't, we really just, there's so much that we really just don't know. There's, especially now in the information age, there's so much information that to, to realize that there's so much that I don't know. Um, and that's why I'm constantly struggling for every, you know, every inch that I try to get deeper. I also try to get an inch wider in that I, um, I'm never going to know everything there is to know about aerobic conditioning because there's there's specialists that are out there that have been doing this, they've dedicated their life to this. So I'm never going to catch up to them. Um, and at the same time, being know everything there is to know about recovery and know everything there is to know about. So I want to know enough um, that I can do the best by the, the people that I'm giving advice to, um, but I realize that I, I don't know everything. And I, there, I'm never going to know everything. I'm going to, I'm going to keep knowing as much as I can know, but there's so much that needs to be learned that, that every day I wake up with the idea of saying everything I think to this point could be completely wrong. Um, and so I'm going to go out today and try to prove it. Mm -hmm. And some, and when I come back at the end of the day, so, you know, I try to prove that wrong and it's still right. I'm going to keep doing it. And if I, if I go out today and I can prove something wrong, I'm going to try to figure out where, where the wrong is and say, okay, well, how can I do that better? I love that. That's like a healthy rebellion. Yeah. And that I just kind of assume everything you're doing could be could, uh, 180 degrees 
opposite of the truth and then try to go out and prove it. And then if it, if it still holds up at the end of the day, then stick with it. Um, but we'll find that a lot of those things from our own misconceptions and misbeliefs about ourselves or about, uh, about what we do just don't really have a foundation to them. Then, you know, then if we don't challenge that, then we'll never know. So, uh, if our followers are inspired by you and they want to continue to follow your journey, right? Where's the best way they can find you? Okay, so easiest uh, central point is just my website. It's just my name, E-R-I-C-D-A-G-A-T-I.com. And on there you have uh, a media section where it has all my social media links because I'm putting out social media content on almost a daily basis um, on all the talks we talked about and then some. Uh, you'll also have links to all podcast appearances I've been on, including this one once it's released. And then there's also something on the main page called, you'll have links to all my projects, but you also have something on the main page called Ask Eric. And it's because I do a lot of public speaking. So best place to find me is just go directly to my website. That's kind of a hub for everything. Just my full name, uh, E-R-I-C-D-A-G-A-T-I.com has all my media links on there for social media. I put out social media posts almost daily. Um, informative things like we're talking about today uh, as well as I have links to all the podcast appearances I've been on uh, including this one will, will be up there once we're, once we're live uh, and then there's also something on the main page since I do a lot of public speaking called Ask Eric and what that is is just a little question box you put in any questions you have related to health or fitness performance and that goes directly into my email and I'll get back to you as soon as possible with any answers uh, that I may have and if not we can give you at least to a place that you can get those answers so that's the best place to find me that's fabulous. Thank you so much, Coach Eric. I appreciate you being on the Organic Matrix, and I wish you so much abundance in your future. Thank you.